Hello and welcome to the Political Profundity Podcast, hosted by Modern Times Magazine, John Guzan and Karen Weil. Hello, Karen. Hi, John, and hi to everybody out there in Podland. So we can't ever, it seems like, underestimate and undervalue the the, the impacts of some of these news weeks we're having. Um, this week, especially, um, Robert Mueller came out and did his um, presentation of his report, and that's really going to be where we lead off. We're also going to talk about uh, Donald Trump's response, where he basically admitted that he uh, that that Russia helped him get elected, um, and then we're going to traipse over into what this means for Nancy Pelosi and the rest of the Congress. Um, and within that, we're going to be talking a little bit about Justin Amash and what he did, um, and then finally, we're going to take a little uh, trip down south of the border. Um, and also, I guess, north of it on this uh, uh, current idea of Donald Trump's to tariff uh, Mexico into stopping illegal immigration. Um, that's our lineup today. But, Karen, let's just not even slow down at all. Let's get into that uh, 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 Robert Mueller uh, 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 press conference, I guess we call it, um, that that happened on Wednesday, um, where he basically said, if we could have um, uh, cleared the president, we would. Let's start there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that everybody was caught off guard when Mueller announced he was going to speak, because this is a man who's, you know, almost a Greta Garbo-like figure in terms of uh, law enforcement in this country, yeah. which isn't exactly true. There's lots of clips from the, you know, the 90s, early 2000s, et cetera, of Mueller in his uh, previous incarnations, uh, testifying before Congress, doing interviews, uh, speaking, but let's face it, the last two years, this guy has been the Sphinx. He, and for understandable reasons, um, just given the monster that he's dealing with in terms of Donald Trump and all the enablers around him, you know, with a GOP Congress that will defend Trump until the very bitter end and does not care about these extraordinarily serious charges. And with, you know, backed up with, with evidence, might I add, in the Mueller report, I, I felt in listening to the special counsel that he—it was not a bad idea for him to come out and speak and mm-hmm. explain the report, albeit in a, you know, very short summary. Right. Trump did bad things. We can't prosecute him because of the OLC. We can't clear him, and I'm done talking about it. Now, you know, and we've seen all the strum and drang. And all the punditry and and some of it, you know, very it, it's credible in terms of why Mueller may have spoken out now, but is not thrilled about the idea of having to come testify before Congress. And we might recall just what a week ago. It seems like now every week in this country is a year uh-huh. in terms of uh-huh. uh, the astonishing news, you know, the horrendous consequences of it, and you know just a highly uncertain future for a lot of institutions in our nation right, right now. Right. But, you know, it's that, that he had uh, wanted to testify, but in private, Gerald Nadler, the representative mm-hmm. from New York uh, and the uh, committee chairman had, had said that now I, and you know, even then I thought, well, unless they really get ironclad assurances from Mueller that he's going to do that, you know, that, that's just maybe wishful thinking at this point. Um, I I think, again, this was not, you know, and then you had Team Trump going on boasting 
falsely that, oh, this is it, it's over, I'm cleared. I think, if anything, even though Mueller, you know, we just don't know if he's going to testify any further unless the Congress compels him to, and that, that gets into a sticky wicket of its own. Right. But, I, you know, this was not, uh, uh, to some degree, it looked like Trump was pretty rattled by Mueller having come forward. Yeah, because I, ultimately, this this did him no favors. And even in terms of going to the, the you know, through the news prism, you saw people on Fox, such as uh, Brett Baer, I believe his name is, and some other hosts who, uh, you know, have normally been very critical of the Mueller report, to being shocked and kind of surprised and even uh-huh. acknowledging, look, this does not, this does show, obviously, Trump may have instruct, obstructed justice. Right. And, and, it, and certainly this is not – it's not over for Donald Trump, no matter what he and his and his base think for, or, or right. his supporters in the media. Not by a long shot. Yeah, and, and you know, I th- it was very interesting. As you mentioned, Brett Baer and some others on Fox, it did seem like, um, you know, there was a – uh, as part of the ticker that runs along the bottom, they were they were posting no no, no exoneration, which which hadn't been done on Fox News before, um, and um, I, it was also the contradictions between Barr's congressional testimony and his other statements, and even what he was saying in his CBS interview, which um, came out this morning. Um, it, it, there were some contradictions between what Mueller was saying. Um, especially in front of Congress, he was saying, we asked about the Office of Legal Counsel's opinion that the president couldn't be indicted. Um, and he said that that wasn't important or, you know, that that he wasn't taking that into consideration. And then Mueller made it very clear on Wednesday that he was. Um, and, and, and so it's, it's, it's these also these, these, these differing opinions now where we don't really know where we are. Um, that being said, it does seem like um, what, we seems that we wanted to get out of or that 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 Nadler and anyone who just wanted to hear Mueller say something they got out of his press conference the ability to have those sound bites and the and the and the and the view on television it makes this closed door hearing i think a lot easier a lot easier for people to accept a lot easier for them to swallow um but it goes back to the same argument i think that we talked about last time in the podcast what's really going to continue to move the needle here is going to be the witnesses and the people that they bring in and those can't be all behind closed doors either but i wouldn't expect that we allow Donald, you know, uh, that as a voter, I, I can't feel that I feel um, uh, confident in, in knowing what really happened uh, unless Don McGahn um, is able to testify and we hear him do it both publicly and privately. Um, and uh, Hope Hicks and whomever else they think that's necessary there, Don Jr., um, Roger Stone. Um, and, and, and those, those are the things that are going to keep moving this needle here, whether it's under the aegis of impeachment or just under the aegis of investigation, um, that there needs to be a greater push. And before I give you the floor back, I just want to tip my hat to your, uh, Robert Mueller, uh, Greta Garbo, uh, comparison. I think that's great. (laughs) I think we need more like that. (laughs) Um, but, but, uh, you know, it, it does seem like there's more to go here and it, the rest of the witnesses are really going to paint, uh, uh, paint this picture better, move this needle. And Robert Mueller going, uh, public on Wednesday allows that closed door to be more effective. Right. And, and you, you make some very good points. I, and I think taking from this, you know, his, his short, uh, you know, press conference, well, it really wasn't a press conference. He took no questions. 
you you did. I mean, I have to say, you did get the sense Mueller looked very uncomfortable. He wanted to do this as quickly as possible and get the hell out of there. Again, I can as a, on a human level, I can understand that. But I also think what his underlying message is is to, to Congress: Look, the ball is in your court now. We've given you the information. It's up to you to take it to the next level, i.e., as you mentioned, start hearings, investigations, eventually leading up to a full impeachment proceeding. And I, you know, I, I think, you know, he's not, Robert Mueller is not the type of man, based on everything we know about him, to start grandstanding in a way that, say, Ken Starr did 20 mm-hmm. or so years ago. He's just not going to do that. Anybody looking for fireworks from this guy, even though, I'll be honest, given how our norms are being destroyed all the time by Trump and his cronies, it almost calls for it. But Mueller's not going to do that. He's going to work, you know, he's going to go by the book, which, again, that's what our institutions are supposed to be based on, correct? And, and, you know, he stated that quite clearly. You know, we did everything we could do based on what the rules are. Um, so it was, it was a fascinating thing to observe. And, uh, you know, we're going to discuss this more on this podcast where we think it's going to lead. But I, I do think it, it, in, in terms of the timeline of all of this, this was to me, I don't want to call it the tipping point, but it certainly, I'd say was a, an accelerant. Right. In terms of holding Donald Trump accountable or at least getting more answers out of people in his inner circle Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. about how much Russia truly interfered in our election, which they did. And exactly who, you know, to to sort of paraphrase Howard Baker during the Watergate hearings, you know, what did Trump's people know and when did they know it? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, And as we know, a lot of them are persisting including the attorney general, who's really not an attorney general as far as I'm concerned. He's Trump's personal attorney. Yeah, right. Um, it, it, just like we don't really have a president, we don't really have an AG either, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, again, this is a, this is a major salvo, and it's, it's the start. Where it all leads in the long run, we, yeah, nobody can predict that. I, I'd love uh, somebody to do that. Maybe they can, you know, forecast uh, – <laughs> Where's, lottery winners in the future yeah, so i can invest in that yeah where's gene dixon when we need her right um exactly but, um, you know <laughs> she's it, off in the spirit world now yeah she yeah she just won the celestial lottery um exactly. if we um it, it does seem like the biggest difference that really came out of the difference between the report and what Mueller said i think is that as we know, there wasn't anything in the report that basically clearly said in normal voter speak um, what we kind of started this conversation with. You know, if we, you know, we tried to exonerate their president and we couldn't do it. Um, and and that he he had that in legalese in the report. And I think when 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 I read it, I felt that I think when you did, you felt it. Um, and we know that a lot of people who you know, did feel that when they read the report. But as we know, it wasn't really transmitted that way. Um, there was all the, you know, bar set up. There was, um, you know, uh, the conservative news outlets saying there's nothing here. There's no indictments. There's nothing. Um, and, and, and 
by him coming out and saying that, then it makes all that other evidence, I think, come to life to say, well, this isn't just what we're telling you happened. We're really saying that these things aren't can't clear him. They basically do indict him. However, but because of the Office of Legal Counsel's uh, opinion, we are not going to do that. And you have to do it as a Congress if you decide that that's what you want to do. Um, and so, and and it, it you know it basically reveals really I think what the Congress is in this case when especially when it comes to the president and also any really cabinet officer um, uh, but they are the grand jury for them as we know though a, a uh, you know it might be nearly impossible for an attorney general to ever get indicted but it's not necessarily impossible for uh, you know the head of uh, housing and urban development or the Secretary of Interior to be indicted. Um, but there are some levels there, and they're they're serving as the grand jury to decide whether these these uh, uh, charges need to be brought, and that means impeachment, so that then they later can be charged when they're um, uh, you know private citizens again. Um, but it does seem like all that evidence was there. There is clear obstruction, and again, uh, you know, I I have finally heard again on on uh, on 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 cable news them talking about. The fact that some of the stuff that's not necessarily in the port in the report are things they couldn't ever prove. And as we'll go back to again, and I, I just don't want people to keep forgetting this, it's obvious that Manafort and Stone are believed to be probably, most likely, it seems like, you know, if you wanna if you wanna stretch in what probably happened here, if there was ever the coordination, because we know obstruction of justice, it clearly says in the report. That that kind of happened with McGann, um, with 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 uh, Cohen, with lying, with creating false uh, narratives. That that that's basically out there, whether they want to decide to judge it or not. The the actual collusion or conspiracy, which is the real charge that it would be, um, is Manafort and Stone is are the linchpins in those, and they weren't able to make those cases because nobody flipped on them. And if anybody knows it, it's Assange, it's the Russian, um, uh, you know. Uh, folks who actually did the hacking, um, and, and it's Stone and it's Manafort, and that's why they tried to throw the book at those two guys, and they still haven't cracked based upon maybe getting a pardon or things changing. But those are some of the other things that they can't get. I don't think Mueller will ever talk about it because they can't do it, and it becomes even more important for Congress to 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 get somebody to start to talk about these things um, because. As long as, you know, that to me has always been the linchpin in this whole investigation. And whether there really was conspiracy from the Trump campaign, it centers on those two guys. And and, and Mueller might never say anything about it, but someone at some point in time will, will, will utter that in Congress and it becomes a thing. And it still seems to me like that's where we're going. That's where the the tide will finally fall. When one of those guys comes out and admits to it, either under pressure or under, um, you know, corroboration from other witnesses. And this Andrew Miller uh, uh, gentleman who's going to be coming in to finally testify to the grand jury, I think it's next week, um, who is Stone's assistant, and they've wanted him all along, and he's been fighting actually coming in and testifying. This investigation, no matter what, isn't over. Um, and beyond the whole fact about what Mueller mentioned more than once is that this did happen. It's important. They only helped Trump. Um, and so all these things become evident. Um, I don't think that this, well, we have to investigate the investigators thing. Um, it, it will be clear. I don't think there's any way for them to really spin that properly 
um, for them to make anything stick that these people did the wrong thing. They, we knew that right. they were operating. We knew that they were doing it for one candidate. And at that point, if you're in law enforcement and you don't look at the, the, the campaign of who is being helped, um, then, then, then you're not doing your job right. And so, you know, it, I, I just think that ends up going nowhere. Um, and that linchpin is going to be whether those two guys admit it or it just becomes um, inferred that that's where the linchpin is. To me, that's the change. That's the downhill. That's the swing in, in realizing that there's just something not right um, in uh, Washington, D.C., in the White House. Right. Well, and I, you know, I don't know how much we want to elaborate on this. I just, I, if I didn't hear much of the interview that Barr did with CBS News, but he, it sounds just he's gone full on MAGA and sounds paranoid. And I, I, you know, I, I suspect if there are any sensible people in that administration, if <laughs> they're probably telling Trump and Barr, you know, you better be very careful with this. This could, if you're going to start investigating our intelligence community and the FBI, because that may open up a Pandora's box that backfires on you badly. Which most likely, I think it would, even if they did get away with uh, starting show trials or what have you. So, and I, I suspect in some ways it's just empty threats uh, from the Trump administration to maybe get to to dissuade anyone in the FBI or uh, others to to testify or cooperate with the House. But it's again, we're just it, it's it's just another you know, sign that we are living in very abnormal times in this country <laughs> and not in a, and not in a good way either. Right, right. So, um, it was, um, obvious as you mentioned earlier, um, once, um, Robert Mueller came out on Wednesday, uh, Donald Trump came out Thursday morning, um, on fire, uh, made a mistake, uh, you know, whatever he did there. We don't know whether it was just his typical Twitter um, uh, ineptitude or his just non-mastery of the English language. We also, um, I think it's come out that Mick Mulvaney is writing most of his tweets, um, that he doesn't do much of them. We don't really know exactly who writes them, which as a journalist is why I have a hard time with everyone who likes to put uh, tweets in their stories. You don't really know that they're coming from these yeah. people or not. Um, and who, and, Agreed. But, you know, beyond the point, you know, let's not move too far. But he obviously said, um, you know, uh, you know, Russia helped him get elected. Um, and he ended up stepping that back really quick, deleted the tweet, said, well, that's not what I meant. I just meant that they, you know, whatever they were doing, blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, uh, a little Freudian just seems like rattled. Uh, he, he got rattled. Um, and and. So, you know, you never know why he's rattled. Is he rattled just because the pressure's on him? Um, is, he, is, it, is it that it's cutting too close to the truth? Um, we also know all these other things that are going on that haven't really been, you know, that, that we don't have on our list today. But we know that his financial statements are going to be coming out um, and, and, and people are going to be seeing his tax returns and some other things. That's already on its way. Um, but that admitting that Russia helped um, really it caught a lot of I think the public's imagination both right and left um, almost as um, as much of a counterpoint to what Mueller said on Wednesday I think then Trump just kind of reinforced it on Thursday um, just for being a gaffe um, at least from what the White House is saying 
that how do you feel about that? Do you do you think it carried as much weight, really, almost as what Mueller said on Wednesday? I, I certainly, if his attempt was to blunt Mueller's uh, short announcement before the press, Trump failed miserably. And I, 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 you know, I think it was a major Freudian slip on his part. He, as you said, he basically admitted Russia helped him. And then, you know, and he had that fever, you know, addled mind of his. <laughs> Perhaps somebody who was nearby said, what the hell did you just do? And, you know, to fix this, which he can't do. I, I think, look, it's not going to matter to his voting base. They don't care. I think to everyone else, and obviously to Democrats or Democratic-leading voters, it's only going to reinforce what many believe that this man was elected with help from a foreign adversary, which is, I, and I realize we don't have any hard and fast rules about that, but just, you know, seriously un-American and unprincipled and unethical and everything else that violates, you know, basic norms, decency and principles. Yeah, and of course, it, for the, ultimately for the respect of law. But yeah, it's almost like, you know, they no one thought that assumed that anybody would ever be able to be elected with getting that kind of help. So why was the law necessary? Well, that's right. I, uh, I, again, yeah. And I, you know, main on a meta comment I want to make, our institutions were never prepared to deal with somebody as mm-hmm. monstrous as Donald Trump. Uh-huh. They just weren't. And, and, and frankly, that that kind of includes and I, I mean, no insult towards him. Special special counsel Mueller and the team, you know, very good men and women with whom he worked or other people, you know, who obey the rules in the DOJ, the Intelligence Committee, FBI, et cetera. You know, or for that matter, our, our houses of Congress or our, our courts, et cetera. They just they were never meant to handle somebody this depraved. And I, I think back to Trump's, you know, Freudian slip, I think to some degree, I'm not even sure his base, maybe most of them believe it. But I just wonder in the back of some of their in their minds if they don't think. Why, if he did nothing wrong, why does he keep responding in this manner? Right. And I, I suspect for that percentage who voted for Trump reluctantly and probably will not be doing so again, even with the quote-unquote good economy for which he deserves no credit, because he really has had nothing to do with it. Right. Uh, he really hasn't. I, I give, you know, George H., George W. Bush way more credit than I would for him, uh-huh, than him for uh-huh. our, you know, the economy of the time we had. Right. But, uh, I just I think this plants seeds of doubt in the minds of those voters. And, you know, it'll just make them ask themselves going into 2020, if Trump is even still around. Yeah, is it worth it for all the drama and the sideshow to reelect this guy? No, it isn't. Mm-hmm. And I may not love the Democrat who's running, but I'm going to pull the lever for him or her because this is just too much anymore. I can't right. take it. Or third party um, if, you know, he gets a right sided uh, uh, challenge. Um, you know, correct. And, 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 you know, I think well, he that, has one, but not William Weld is running, but right. Weld is a very liberal Republican. And I, 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 with all due respect to him, cause he's a good and decent man who has an admirable record, but uh, you know, I, I've said this all along and Kasich of course has said today, he's not going to run that being the former governor of Ohio. Right. And that's a shame because he would damage Trump a lot if yeah, he got and, into the race. And, you know, I think it's pretty clear at this point, and I'm not saying this is why, you know, and we're going to talk about, you know, Justin Amash later. Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll kind of keep that saved um, as far as what's running. But, um, you know, it, 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 I think the, the response that Trump gave on Thursday 
Um, and I had heard this mentioned um, in different places, and I was just like, yeah, it's exactly what I was going to mention on the podcast on Friday. Thank you. Um, but I, uh, the, the discussion of the way that Trump reacts to the FBI, former FBI directors, uh, if you want to talk about uh, Comey or McCabe or Mueller or his whole team, um, calling them like the worst people in the world um, and, you know, lashing out. Uh, you know, basically making them out to be, uh, you know, I mean, how do you paint the worst person, you know, the worst people in the world any worse than that? But then you parallel, you know, and and put that against what he says about uh, MBS or Putin or Kim Jong-un. And so he's, He's 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 giving excuses for all these people, whether, you know, we know what Putin did to our elections in 2016. We know other things that he's done. You see what the um, uh, the nuclear negotiation with Kim Jong Un has done. Uh, five people killed last week. Um, uh, Jamal Khashoggi, which we talked about on this podcast and at other times, um, still supporting him. Um, and then you have somebody who's is, who's just doing his job. And again, if you're doing the presidency right, you still praise these people while saying you did nothing wrong. And that's where you take the high road, and that's where you get that political capital. And and by being the way you are, or by being the way Donald Trump is at this point, and having all his fire and fury for anybody who just talks against him. Um, but then, you know, accepting these people who are killing others, who are in, interfering with our elections, um, and, 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 and reserving praise for these people, um, you know, I, I, I think it's wearing thin on the American people, no matter who they are. Um, we know what Fox is doing. It does seem like, you know, we're at that watershed moment. And it, but that's the way it seems to me. Any comment on, on that kind of feeling of worst people in the world against MBS, Putin, and Kim Jong-un being great. Well, and it's interesting you mentioned Kim Jong-un because, you know, the reports are out now that he executed one of his main negotiators with the U.S. in these failed summits that Trump basically held, uh, you know, to to, to look legitimate, which he failed miserably in those as well. And it's too stupid to know that Kim has been playing him for a sucker all along. Um, But, you know, surely this is going to raise even more concerns in – with within our allies, the few ones we have left anymore, uh, in terms of just the judgment of this country's, you know, of the judgment of this presidential administration right now, which is just terrible. Um, so I, I think along with that, I, I just again, you you've discussed it, you know, you you've explained this better than I could, and I I think I think just there's going to come a become a point where people just grow very tired of all of this. Yeah, the yelling is just... are not yeah. willing to return Trump to office. Again, that 35% or so, they're not leaving him because this is the same group that is, supports authoritarians and this is the one they've wanted from day one and they're not, they're just, they're going to ride it down down the abyss with him. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing to be done about that. This right. is their choice as Americans. It's a shame that they seem to think that that's acceptable in, in a a republic form of government based on democratic principles. But there, again, nothing to be done about that. But I, I think for the rest of Americans who vote next year, and, and I, I'm not going to bet my bank account on it, I'm not going to make any firm predictions, 
I, you know, I didn't in 2016. I felt there was a chance Trump could win if turnout was low. What you know, none of us could have seen was the depths that they would sink to help him win, albeit by nothing, three states in the Electoral College uh, to, to uh, you know, quote, you know, be technically elected president. Right. But I just I think for a lot of voters, this is starting to pile up. Uh-huh. And, you know, I Trump's approval rating still, they remain, and sometimes he's had 42%. That is still terrible for a U.S. president. Yep. It, it is, and, and, and trust me, if this were Hillary Clinton's approval ratings right now, you'd have the entire mainstream media saying she's out next year. Right. Um, interesting standard, or they would say, they were saying Barack Obama's approval ratings faltered, you know, qu- right. quite a bit between 2009 and 2012. And there were real concerns that he was not going to be reelected. And again, I'm not comparing Obama or Clinton or anybody else who's actually, well, Hillary Clinton was not, well, technically not the president, but her husband was. But, you know, again, there's factors here that do not, you know, the same kind of narratives and safeguards for other presidents in terms of either their, you know, they're getting reelected or or having a successful term do not apply to Trump because unlike those other presidents, Trump does not have the decency nor the respect for this nation to know what he's doing mm-hmm. other than simply any kind of predatory, ruthless behavior necessary to save that fat or end of his. Yep. That's about it. So it was a a week that also brought back the discussion of impeachment, I think, to the highest fever pitch that it's ever been. Um, after Mueller's uh, statement on uh, Wednesday, um, you had a lot more people come out. I think it's now up to 35 or 40 that are publicly out in, in support of impeachment. Um, I think Pelosi's still in the same spot. Like, we're moving forward here. We don't know what we're moving forward to yet um, when, there's, when there's support. Um, we, we know we'll be there. Um, I think it's become easier for, I mean, I know we've mentioned this on the podcast, um, many times and as much as people wanted to play it, that Nancy Pelosi wasn't supporting impeachment. Um, and as much as talking heads want to say that they're doing it for political reasons, um, you know, I always thought that that politically she wasn't saying that that's exactly where they were going to go, because if you say that you're going there as the Speaker of the House, that means then why aren't you there already and why aren't you scheduling the vote? And I, I, I think it's always been um, more advantageous for her to say, well, we're doing our jobs, we're investigating, we're going forward, and then when they're ready, they're going to get there. And I think when they're ready, they're going to get there. Um, and I've mentioned it on this podcast many times, you only get one swing at impeachment, and you want to make sure it's going to work, or it's going to go as far as you can take it. And when you know that it's not, when it's when you're at the point that it's going to go as far as it ever could go, that's when you swing at that pitch. And I think the, the you know right now we don't know we in the future it could go far enough that even those 17 um, 18 19 i think it it is um uh, republicans in the senate that they need to come over in order to get a conviction is still out there and i think that that's why they haven't swung at the pitch is because there's still a chance they're going to get those people and we're going to have the first successful impeachment ever um and i just don't think they want to swing at that ball until they know where the end is. And I don't think that their end has to be that the conviction is in the Senate. But I, 
I think that they think that's still possible. So let's wait until that is no longer possible. If that's no longer possible, then we're just going to go through this this uh, this this dance, and we're gonna we're gonna uh, vote to to impeach him. We're gonna go through the 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 investigation process. We'll see what McConnell does. He'll probably call it, and they'll they'll end up doing it in a day, and they'll and they'll and they'll acquit. But until they know that that's the only option for them, they're going to keep waiting out to see whether conviction still possible. And that's where I think Pelosi's been the whole time. And that's where I think she still is, um, is, hey, if we're going to take this, let's try to get the conviction. And 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 until we know that the conviction is 100 percent not possible, we're going to keep building until it might be. Well, right. It, it, I, look, whatever her failings as both a, a you know politician and a speaker of the House, you have to admire Nancy Pelosi's instincts, which most of the time have not been wrong. Now, there have been a few times where she was wrong. She badly miscalculated. And I just, I, th- I frankly think you're, you're seeing a growing support among her members to impeach Trump. They're saying forget the political optics because, again, we throw those out the window because Donald Trump is not a normal president in any way since he's not really a president, basically. Again, he's just he's a he's a cancer on this country. Um, and I, I think, again, and I'm not saying Pelosi's necessarily reacting to this, but there is this lazy mainstream media pundit narrative that, oh, this is only going to help Trump. No, it won't, because – Again, Donald Trump is not Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton was a genuinely popular president. Donald Trump is despised by most of this nation, save for that 35% of voters. And there's a big difference. I think, well, you know, yes, you're not going to see millions of the people in the street, although there is an impeachment march set tomorrow in Washington, D.C. Uh-huh. Now, you know, that's only, you know, I, I don't know what the turnout for that's going to be. Could be a bust, but it may not, you know, or may be more successful than some people imagine. But I think most Americans, while they're not out in the streets protesting every day, I don't think most Americans would – I don't think they'd mind if Trump got impeached. They wouldn't be crying tears over it. Right. they just say, OK, he's been impeached. It shows, again, what a criminal he is. I think most people understand he's not going to get convicted in the Senate because of the nature of the very ideological, hardcore nature of most of the Republican senators now um, who don't – you know really don't care about the rule of law, no matter what they claim to say otherwise. Looking at you, Ted Cruz, especially. Lindsey um, Graham. But, I, you know, Pelosi, I, you know, I, it's understandable why people are do get frustrated with her go-slow strategy. And sometimes she says things that make her sound a little shaky. But I, I think it is a more sound strategy than she's getting credit for. I just think you have a Democratic base that understandably is very impatient mm-hmm. and, and and angry with the fact that not more has been more has not been done to really hold Trump accountable for. I mean, because we talked about the Mueller report already. There's numerous examples of him obstructing justice, or or certainly attempting to. There are numerous examples of that. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, never mind. There's the emoluments clause, emoluments clause. Never mind other things he's done, which mm-hmm. clearly are highly unethical, if not out downright illegal. Um, you know, the, the idea that they're, that some try to frame this and they're just trying to get rid of a duly elected president, I, you know, they didn't try to do that with George W. Bush. And and I, I remember clearly, you know, sex when Pelosi announced after the election, 
when the Democrats had won both back both the House and the Senate, you know, that impeachment's off the table. And to me, that was the smart call to make. And frankly, there was no great outcry for it. Mm-hmm. I think it's different. I think a lot of people want to see Donald Trump held accountable, right. even if it doesn't mean that he'll be removed in the long run, but that just that he is impeached. And again, this idea that this is going to strengthen him politically, no, it won't. It'll wound him. He'll go into 20. If, if let's just say theoretically we play this out, there's an impeachment vote in, say, November, and there's a majority for that. Trump is officially indicted, more or less. Now, we know what McConnell's going to do in terms of having a Senate trial because he's a lackey for Trump and does another one who doesn't give a damn about what kind of arm right. is being done to this nation. Right. And I should remind anybody listening, his wife is in Trump's cabinet. That's another wise reason why he is so supine, uh-huh. among others. But this, to me, this weakens Trump greatly going into oh, yeah. 2020. Oh, yeah. It is that scarlet eye. And, you know, contrary, again, to the narrative, oh, he wants to be impeached. No, he doesn't. And I think that explained why he panicked the other day and, you know, bleated, blurted out that Russia, you know, oh, he had nothing to do with Russia helping him because he thought somehow that was going to get him off the hook. You know, Trump may understand media optics and he may understand transactional politics, but he's still an immensely stupid person. Oh, yeah. And, you know, and, and, and regardless, um, I think it does it does establish the fact that he knows that Russia helped him. But he will never admit it. And, and it, I mean, to me, that's I mean, and we know what he said out there. There's no high crimes and misdemeanors, basically speaking to an uneducated part of the population that might think that high crimes and misdemeanors means you have to shoot somebody. Um, but you don't. Um, it just means basically anything that they find that isn't appropriate. Um, that's 1776 for improper conduct. You know, that's 1776 language. So or 1789 language for improper conduct is high crimes and misdemeanors. Um, and, uh, and, 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 you know, he just doesn't, I don't think get that. Um, and, and, or he does, and he just tries to, 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 to brainwash or trick, um, you know, again, the, un, you know, those who, who don't really understand what that means. Um, but it, I, you know, I think to a certain level, he's such a narcissist and he feels like the deny, deny, deny is your, his whole public relations campaign that he can't even admit that, even though he didn't want them to, they helped him. Um, and I think he knows that. Um, but he, he it's, it's just part of the PR campaign. And it's just another example of how he can't do his job right if what he's worried about are, you know, what what you know, what this scandal was that really happened, whether whether he meant for it to happen or not. Um, it did happen. A foreign power helped him be elected. And that alone might 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 disqualify him from holding office. Right. Uh, yeah, again, just the, the greater question I would ask, and I would ask this if we had a Democrat in office right now who has done the things that Trump has. If impeachment isn't meant for this person, who is it meant for? Otherwise, what? don't even have it in the Constitution. And, and uh, the noted historian Michael Beschloss was on Rachel Maddow's show last night. And this is hardly a, a raving ideologue. This guy tends to be a straight down the middle historian who makes, you know, salient political observations that most of the time tend to offend, you know, offend no one. But he basically said it far more eloquently than I could. And and basically, if Trump is not held accountable, that is that kind of rot is going to further spread down into our society Uh to look till we become a lawless society. And, you know, people might stop and just take a moment and think about what that means. Mm -hmm. Because that that goes nowhere good. Oh yeah. 
in my opinion. So I think, you know, again, I, I, I think Pelosi... You know, they're waiting for public opinion to catch up. The main way that's going to happen is if these hearings are televised, just like it did with Richard Nixon. Um, but, you know, she and she, Rick Wilson, who's, again, a hell of a lot savvier got, you know, political observer than I could ever be, even said, you know, she might be smart to be dragging this out. The longer this continues, the worse it is for Donald Trump going into 2020. Mm-hmm. The more doubts, again, it raises in the minds and let's face it, there aren't many voters, candidly, anymore who are up for grabs right. in this country, given right. how divided we have become, sadly. Well, that's a and, great— And, you know, sort of that and urban-rural divide. I'm sorry, I just was going to say. But he said, the longer this goes on, the more it hurts Trump. So, you know, he said that might be the smartest way to go. Um, but I will say Pelosi still has to present a stronger front than sometimes what she does. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Well, you know, we saw what, what, what happened when she did, when she said, you know, the president was engaged in a cover-up. He totally blew up, and, yeah. uh, you know, uh, that was last week's story. Uh, that was last week's uh, Trump blow-up. Um, all, all, all Nancy Pelosi has to say is there's a cover-up or impeachment, and he'll flip out and do something. Um but let's let's segue over into our next uh, topic about Justin Amash, and I think that's uh, you know it's 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 relevant for many different uh, reasons. I think you know we've talked about how uh, there needs to be some movement on the uh, Republican side to actually have any sort of uh, end result to impeachment. We know that that uh, he can be impeached um, probably fairly easy in the House. I don't think it would take much whipping up in order to get there at this point, if that's what the caucus decided to do. Um, But we know that in the Senate, it's a different fact. Um, But at least there was a Republican congressman, Justin Amash, who we talked about is the first Republican to come out saying that there should be impeachment. Um, I think it does a lot of different things. You know, we talk about at least it starts that. So the next guy or lady who takes a step um, doesn't take it alone, doesn't take it isolated, doesn't take it with all of the pressure. Um, but the second thing that I, I think it does, um, and as we mentioned earlier, um, how vulnerable Trump is, Trump is really vulnerable to Republicans who just can't take it. And as we know, if you have eight people on the ballot, he'll get 30% and win. That's how he won in the primary. He can you know, increasingly say that he beat all these people, but the only reason he made it to the end is because he was able to get 20% at the time, every time. He had 20%. And when it was, he would win because, um, you know, the other 10 would split the remaining 80% and they would end up with eight um, and 10 and 12. Um, and so it seemed like he won all these states, but it was really kind of the, again, another PR move. Um, but Amash, I think then if, if, if he would at some point decide to run as a third party um, or even as a Republican challenger, um, and, and then later as a as a third party candidate, he takes enough of those Republican votes who will only vote for a Republican away. And that's really what happened in 2016 It's what might cause Trump to win again in 2020 is those Republicans who just can't vote for anybody but a Republican and their party line people. They will walk down, as we know, a lot of people who vote for Democrats will it will leave the party at times. Um, but the, those Republicans are always there. Those diehards, most Republicans will just always just pull the lever and say, let's go Republican. Um, and so unless there's a splitting um, there, and I think Amash is perfectly positioned now to be that Trump vote. Um, and and it, it takes the pressure off of everybody. Um, 
I, you know, you know, to me, that's that's the perfect political gamble at this point. And and the longer he stays as the only singular voice, the more credible that is. If he runs as a third party, <clears throat> Trump loses easy in 2020 because a lot of those Republicans will say, well, I feel just like Amash did. So I'm voting for him. We know he loses. We know Trump loses. But I didn't vote for fill in the Democratic candidate here. Um, and, you know, so, you know, to me, it makes a, a, a it's it's a big thing what he's doing for a lot of different levels. Impeachment, whether it even gets that far and Trump is still on the ballot in 2020, it could really play havoc with that presidential election. The last thing I kind of want to mention about Amash before I give you the floor here is the the snippets that came out of his town hall. Um, there was one with a Make America Great hat lady who who just kind of, you know, seemed like she was just going to the level of, oh, why don't you like me? I can't believe that you're going against our dear leader. Um, but what the, the, the more important, I think, snippet was from that lady that said, I watch Fox, I watch conservative news, and until I was here, I had no idea that there was ever even a doubt that Trump did anything wrong. Based upon what they depicted out of the Mueller report and the way that they positioned it, I didn't know that there was anything wrong. And, and and that goes back, I think, to everything we've been discussing is how you break through that. And I think we started in the beginning about how even Fox News might now be finally starting to inform their public that there's no exoneration. Whether they go any further than that, I don't know. But it was evidenced by that that voter at Amash's town hall. A lot of them don't even know that there really are things there. Maybe they do now. Uh, I don't know a, a lot. A lot to throw to you, Karen. But 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 the Amash angle, and and what happened last week in that in that uh, town hall were, um, you know, as as eye opening as anything else last week. Yeah, you know, say what you will about him, man. Look, Jamal, Justin Amash is no liberal. Right. This guy's voting record is about as conservative as they come, and he he voted for many Trump policies. So it's not as if you can call him a never Trumper or anything like that. Although he was. Not you know thrilled with him back in 2016 when he was a candidate. Yeah, but well, even his biggest Amash friends now aren't you know weren't even uh, Mick Mulvaney, Lindsey Graham, uh, Ted Cruz. They right. all were against him too. So you know, and join the join the party, right? Yeah, they're willing. They're willing enablers of this. But Amash has never been. He may vote for stuff Trump wants, but and that's you know not good in the, on its own but he is certainly no you know fawning lackey he's been <laughs> quite critical of trump since day 1 and if you you know of course the uh, previous weekend when he came out with his thread on on twitter and again i good or bad twitter is what is driving a lot of political discourse and i would say again sometimes that's more bad than anything else but he wrote a very coherent strong uh, you know, argument of why it's time to hold Donald Trump accountable. And in terms of his town hall, he handled it very well. Uh, you know, I saw the, her name is Diane Luke, by the way, the woman with the MAGA hat, who was uh-huh. frankly at times incoherent. Then there was another one who was just literally screaming at him. And I thought, you know, lady, you're not doing your cause any good. Right. And there were some others in the middle and others, but most of the people there, I'd have to say, probably were not Trump supporters and might have been there just to be that kind of support to say, I'm not saying they don't live in the Grand Rapids area, they probably do, but say, hey, we've got your back here, Mm -hmm. which is what I tell anybody. If you want your Congress, you know, congressional rep to act, you need to get on the phone and call every week. I know it gets monotonous, but that way, the more pressure that grows on them, 
you know, they're, the more they're going to have to respond. And I, I think just quickly back to Pelosi, you're seeing, you know, and this does, you know, correlate with Amash, but you're seeing other, you know, Democratic reps openly calling for Trump's impeachment, including Mike Quigley, uh, Hakeem Jeffries. They're, oh, by the way, I saw something in the news, Greg Stanton, who's from your neck of the woods, right. your congressional rep, coming yeah, out today Phoenix saying, mayor, right? it, 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 sorry? I said the former Phoenix mayor. I was just... Former Phoenix mayor and and now a you know Democratic rep there right. in Congress coming coming out and saying it's time to impeach Trump and let's face it Arizona is a state that we think is in flux in terms of its politics but still a pretty you know reliably Republican stronghold so I think for Stanton to be doing that shows the needle is starting to move here slowly yeah, but well, it's starting yeah in and his district I think he doesn't Amash, have to worry too much about it but you know you're right um, you know and uh, the Amash stand was courageous. If if it's not Very. politically calculating, it's courageous. Right. No, and look, he has, he has said on record, now he might get more, you know, become more nervous as 2020 rolls around. He said, look, I don't care if I lose. More, that's, I'm paraphrasing him. I'm doing what's right for our country. If that affects my political career, then so be it. But, you know, I just can't be silent any longer on this. Yeah, and a run Again, for president really makes a difference about, for him, uh, I'm I think. sorry? I said, a, you know, a run for president for him really kind of changes that I, anyway. He, he was a no-name I, congressman I, from Michigan, and now he's got a national profile. I mean, there is no doubting that. Um, but I don't think that was the only reason he did it. No, I, I don't either. Again, whatever you want to say about Amash, and I've, I've studied his record over the years, he has often been quite consistent and principled in his votes. Again, some of them, I'm sure, did make some of his constituents happy. But he, again, has shown consistency on an intellectual basis. And, I, you know, he's, I think, a charismatic kind of a guy who might have a lot of appeal for independent voters going into 2020. We, you know, we don't know what's going to happen with him. He may just say, look, I'm running for my House seat again. I'm not worried about it. Or, he, you know, because there's already apparently one state rep there in Michigan, uh, Trump, Trump, uh, you know, supporter who's going to challenge him, allegedly. And he may decide, you know what, I have bigger ambitions now, and I'm going to run for president. Uh, and who knows, he may very well damage Trump a lot into going into primary season next year. But, I, you know, again, there was a lot of attention paid to his town hall. And I I just think, again, it, it, it highlights there is this just growing public concern about Donald Trump and holding him accountable. And that's now starting to even spread into areas that Trump won handily, right. and that area of Michigan being one of them. Mm-hmm. So it was a you know, fascinating, uh, fascinating thing to observe the other day. Yeah. Um, let's move on to our, our last topic here, which um, seemed to maybe being wag the dog, um, you know, let's get uh, – uh, attention back to the border, which I don't think really does Trump m- much help, um, because we know what's really going on there is, excuse me, not many wins um, for the Trump administration. Uh, the even the private wall that they were putting up the city there um, stopped construction on that. Um, but he wants to now uh, drop more tariffs on Mexico until they stop the. Uh, illegal immigration, whatever he says, just stop, uh, S-T-O-P, uh, all caps. Um, it seems like it's not a very smart political calculation. We know that the U.S. Uh, MCA is, um, you know, I guess uh, AMLO just 
introduced it to the Mexican Senate um, on the same day that he came out with the tariff. Um, Pence was up in Canada trying to get uh, a passage there. Um, they were going to try to be doing the same thing um, in the U.S. Congress. And then you want to throw tariffs, um, which just serves, I think, to confuse the whole subject. It doesn't really make much sense. Um, just like the same thing we were talking about with China, whereas, you know, some folks will explain, well, maybe or maybe uh, or maybe or maybe not the U.S. will end up paying for it. Um, but you know that the easiest way is for them to just throw a, a, a top end levy on what they're being charged so that they don't change their uh, cost of living wherever they're actually making these things. They're not going to take the hit on their end. They're just going to pass the, the hit on to us um, indirectly. Um, and, you know, the same thing will, will, will happen in Mexico. I think we'll just end up paying more for avocados or whatever else it is that we get from Mexico. A lot of uh, parts for cars, uh, a lot of whole cars, a lot of different other, um, you know, usually it's elements of, of, of things, but it still plays off. Um, it doesn't seem like, you know, again, the American people are being, are being taxed again. You know, if we want to talk about this it, again, it, these tariffs are all just taxes on the American people, uh, indirect, um, and they occur. And, and it, 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 there's no motivation. I don't see what, why Mexico would care. Um, they're not going to be pulled out of those areas because some people also don't know, you know, or most people assume, I think at this point, that Trump's not going to be there in uh, 18 months or so. Um, so, you know, they'll ride it out. They're not going to close out the factory, um, not knowing what goes on there. They're just going to pass that, that, that impact along to us. Um, if it's a wag the dog moment, I don't think it moves the needle. People are still talking about impeachment and it makes them look worse. Um, he's losing his support. He's losing his blind support among Republicans. They're not behind it. Um, I think they see what's happening to the market. The more trade wars you start, the worse it is for the economy and for the stock market. As we mentioned, who cares? But a lot of 401ks, um, it really it, 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 it impacts hiring decisions based upon on, on, on revenues for companies. Um, it could be a shrinking in the economy. And as we know from what the tax bill was last year, the last thing we need is a shrinking economy and more national debt. Uh, he's going to get us into a recession um, that 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 is completely avoidable um, and that he's hastening. Um, And that's what this whole thing seems like, um, just more incompetence from the White House. Yeah, gee, what a shocker there, huh? (laughs) But, you know, this is basically, again, Trump is is, is tying this to, you know, his, uh, you know, trumped up, I hate to use that term, fears (laughs) about immigration, but again, not looking at the conditions in Central America that have, started the whole migrant crisis to begin with, and not giving a damn about it, period, which he doesn't, Uh, nor understanding actually that, you know, illegal immigration from Mexico has been declining over the years. Um, But he knows, again, this is what works with part of his base, and that is, I'm sorry, I don't know how else to say it, it's racism. I know for some of the base, it's concern about their jobs. Uh, But again, you know, illegal immigration, it's a much more complicated picture in terms of what kinds of jobs are affected. And again, some obviously illegal immigration has badly damaged certain industries in this country, including meatpacking, for starters. But I just, you know, there are all kinds of pitfalls here in terms of what he's doing. Uh, Never mind, as you said, just that 
Americans are going to pay a hell of a lot more for certain products, and and especially vegetables, a lot of which do come from Mexico. Um, you know, we'll see how comfortable a lot of his supporters feel when you know it, it, they're paying three or four dollars for a head of lettuce or or something like that. So, and also, I, it's not going to do. It's not going to win over. You know, the president of Mexico, Lorpez Obrador, who for the, you know, I don't think he's even met with Trump yet and who could blame him for not wanting to now. Uh, it's certainly not going to help, you know, Canada. I, I think Justin Trudeau has I maybe sent somewhat mixed signals on what he's going to do. But Canada in general has not been thrilled with this whole screwing around with NAFTA that Trump started two years ago. So I, I just, you know, he's further going to piss off. Our partners on both sides of the border, which, again, he just does not seem to care about, nor does he understand long-term ramifications of that. But, you know, again, and this is just basically Trump, in my opinion, trying to fire up his base because anything about Mexico seems to do that, no matter how irrational or ridiculous it seems. And, you know, I, I agree with you. I think he's obviously distracting from all the bad news from Robert Mueller's going public yeah. this and, week and the growing impeachment calls. Uh, so I, I just, you know, you watch this again and your jaw just drops at how incredibly stupid it is. And we, yeah, we can argue and debate about free trade and there's no question some of it has damaged our economy. I don't deny that, but there are ways you handle that that makes sense. What he's doing doesn't. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it does become an element of, you know, we know that the loss of manufacturing jobs have 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 changed the uh, American economy, and and you know whether whether that's as you mentioned uh, fixable, um, avoidable. Uh, it was mainly American you know corporate interests who promoted that. Um, they were mainly um, uh, you know used to be conservative ideals um, that you would want free trade um, because it allows corporations to go and make items and goods and services, provide goods and services and buy them as well from other areas. Um, and so, you know, w- you know where that ends up going and why and why we want it to be there, um, you know, th- that debate can, can, you know, can, can be made. Um, but I, I, I think, you know, putting tariffs on Mexico in order to, uh, to stop illegal immigration into the United States um, it, it fell flat this week. I think it just kind of got laughed at generally. I don't think anybody saw it as a good thing. Um, as we know, there was a lot of Republicans that were against it from the beginning. Um, there wasn't that, that, that normal, Hey, we're all Republicans. Let's go along thing. It seemed like it was at that level of what, you know, and, um, it seemed at the level of why are we doing this? Um, there does seem to be, um, and that's, you know, kind of why I was mentioning, it seems like we've hit that point that the yelling uh, and the the incoherent arguments just seem to be falling flat and just not being able to, you can only scream so long at the top of your lungs before people just put cotton in their ears. And I think, you know, we're definitely there at this point. And, you know, besides the fact that it's just not going to accomplish anything, as you mentioned, you know, Mexico has a lot of issues from people coming into their Southern, you know, part of their border, how they go through their country, um, is 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 completely different than than just their infrastructure is different than ours. It's going to be even harder for them 
Um, and if you tariff them and, and try to scare them into doing it, then there's no there's no end game. Um, there's no motivation for them to change um, either. Uh, and and not just motivation means. Um, we know how hard it is for 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 you know folks in the United States. But I've never gotten a job in Mexico. I would assume it's not it's even easier that you don't have to prove your citizenship there than it is here. Um, but that's again an assumption on my part. But there's a lot of uh, I just don't see this working. I see it just failing again, and people going, "Well, here we are again, and nothing's been done." Um, you know, and and I think it's the it's the hard part for Trump to govern. He ran on an outsider and just attacking everybody and saying they can't do anything and he could do it better. And the and the real hard part was going to be when if if he did win in 2016, which he ended up winning. Obviously, we all know that Twilight Zone we're living in. Um, but now we're at he has to run for re-election in 2020 based on what. Um, and, and nothing, none of his policies have really worked. The only thing he actually got passed was the tax cut. And we know that with the slowing economy, it's even looking worse for us, um, as, as a country. Um, and, and then here you are with his tariff. Um, you, he's never got the wall built and here he is going to do this tariff. That's not going to do anything either, except raise the price of our goods, uh, of a lot of goods. So, I don't know what the end game is here. I, I don't know if anybody's actually thinking about it, but it, it doesn't seem like there's even a path for claiming victory at the end of this battle. Right. Uh, you know, and I, I frankly think just purely from a political, in terms of him wanting to get reelected next year, this, this seems like he's actually squandering one of his main sort of talking points as, you know, as dishonest as it is. But obviously it worked with just enough voters to barely win him the Electoral College about three years ago. But I, I think it also it could drive this country's economy into a recession. And um, one thing we know for sure, even though, again, there, I, I'm going to couch that by saying a good economy is not really helping Trump anyway. Right. But one thing for sure that's really not going to help him is if we're in a recession by next year, before November. Um, so I just, I, again, I think this is just, I'm, you know, I'm sorry, but it's Trump lashing out and not just panicking. And this is, you know, this is pretty obvious of how stupid this is. Um, so I, you know, we can only hope maybe someone can talk him out of going and truly enacting these tariffs and stopping it, or perhaps Mex Canada and Mexico can, if they really toughen their stance, actually get the U.S. to bend, which I, you know, you hate to see your country in that position. But you could understand, frankly, why our, you know, our main trading partners would not want to work with us. And, and another thing, too, this may make uh, the Mexican president even less inclined to help the U.S. with the asylum issue. So all in all, just another incredibly boneheaded, childish, petty move on Donald Trump's part. And that's that's just who he is. Yes, what's, it's, and he's never going he's never going to change this idea when this guy got in that, oh, he's going to grow into the job. I, I get a really extraordinarily dis delusional, dishonest, you know, me mainstream media narrative that far too many people who should have known better bought into. Right. And we're paying for it now. Well, Karen, I don't think we could say it any better than that. Um, I just want to thank you for joining us on this podcast today, joining me, joining all our listeners, providing your insight. Um, you know, you're you're definitely a special talent, and I want to thank you for joining me today. 
Well, you're welcome, and thank you. On another note, I should just mention, which is breaking news, there has been a shooting in Virginia Beach, Virginia. Sadly, 11 people are dead. Yikes. So another uh, another week in our country ends on a terrible note. And uh, when is the wear orange? Um, I know that we had that in the uh, Modern Times Consciousness calendar uh, this week. Um, I think it's next week. Um, so make sure you wear orange to... Uh, uh, do gun violence awareness um uh so karen thanks again um everyone out there thank you and and uh thank you to all our listeners and may it be a more peaceful pleasant week uh, coming week for us all everyone have a good weekend we'll talk at you next time thank you karen thank you Bye-bye.